Next on the Well of Sound... Paul McCartney is the only one of the four to have survived the first part of the 1970s as a cult hero. He's a fleshier, heavier Beatle these days, respectably married, a successful businessman. And when the kids come to his concerts, they don't scream anymore, they listen. Remember, this is like the the pioneering group of the '60s. This is the group that everyone grew up with. This is the Beatlemania, and it was only, the, at least in the public eye, because they were in Hamburg and doing all this stuff. But it was only seven years, and they were. He was 29, right? As, in 70. In 70. Okay. But he, they were very young, and this was all of, of extremely compact. I mean, this they were is unprecedented. Two or Basically, three records a year. Nobody on earth has the problems that the Beatles do in 1970, right? Yeah. Basically dealing with um, their own fame and influence because every band that's coming out in 1970 is saw them on Ed Sullivan and said, I want to, I want to be that. Yeah. Right. So that's what they're dealing with. And, and Paul being one of the two true, you know, the, as someone said, the fabest of the fab. Okay. I mean, he's the, uh, he's the one that the girls liked the most always, you know, he was, um, and he was also, uh, you know, he sang, I think his voice was on more, especially as it went on, more of the singles. Yeah. Not, I mean, it was a pretty even split between him and Lennon in a lot of ways, I think. But the, and that's one of the things that makes him so interesting. It really is a four-headed beast. So anyway, in 1969, yeah. they are uh, the three, uh, John, George, and Ringo um, want Alan Klein the guy who had sort of ruined the Rolling Stones. Uh, <laughs> let's get that guy. Let's get that guy uh, to manage their business affairs because Apple was in such a, their record company, Apple, was in such disarray. And okay. Paul, um, well, Jagger, had, Mick Jagger had gotten in touch with Paul saying, don't touch this guy. But they'd all been sore at Paul because Paul had become more controlling. Right, which you see in the Let It Be film. Yeah, Exactly. So then he 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 wants to go with Lee Eastman, who is. Uh, they need somebody. They that, need somebody. That, yeah. So he chooses his father-in-law, who's not who's like, legit. He's a legit yeah. guy. You know, yeah. this is the Eastman so, entertainment lawyer, essentially, or business affairs, something guy. like that. Yeah. Uh, he, and his and his 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 brother-in-law too, because he's just mm. married Linda Linda McCarty. But the right. Eastmans, I mean, it's the Kodak family. It's a very like. Uh, they're not low rent. Yes. Uh, and they also know exactly what they're doing. Right. But it's a standoff. Um, everyone thinks Paul is dragging his feet. They have to go to court. Um, Paul sues them, I think. Right. Or they, I, don't, I think he sues them rather than they suing him. Right. And um, Is Klein already hired at, at, at that point? Klein is hired, but Paul refuses to sign. So, so for a while there, although their partnership is intertwined, somehow Paul is represented by Eastman right. and Klein is is representing the other three. Right. Though, I mean, the legal thing is not that interesting. It's more that he's completely the villain in 
I mean, Yoko Yoko is kind of seen as the villain as well, but yeah. in their eyes, Paul is the villain. Right. And he's he doesn't know who he is without the Beatles. He's Beatle Paul. He's been in the Beatles since he was like 17. Right, right. Um, and so he uh, he escapes to the country, uh, right? He goes to Scotland and and begins to his his farm and begins to record in secret. Essentially, his his first album. Yeah. Um, well, I guess at, that's after he dips into deep depression, and Linda is like, "I I, I got a baby, I've got a seven year old daughter, like I I need my husband to sort of get on back on track," and she points him in the creative direction rather than wallowing in in self doubt and and alcohol. <laughs> I think I was feeling like I was just the longer I waited with another day of no work, another day of nothing to go to, the more I was just getting stagnant. It's a bit like sort of after an operation where you, you want to rest, but you've got to push it. And uh, I just had to push something. She can't be found. The only way I knew how to do it was just get back on the boards again with anything. So I'd hit upon the idea. I don't belong. My heart isn't strong. I mean, I think she, he he very much credits her with not only, you know, uh, to basically saving his life in that right. in that respect, and to not only loving him through it, but um, being the one who encourages him to get back out there. Which is where you get "Maybe I'm Amazed," which is the big track from that first album, right? Which comes out in April of 1970. The same week, or it was it's two weeks before. The week, but it was scheduled to come out the week before "Let It Be" was finally going to come out. Right, and the Beatles—that was one of the big things they had. The please don't release your solo record right before "Let It Be." Right, and so he refuses to uh, go to, along with to this. go He's along pissed. with it. So they end up changing the "Let It Be" release date to May. To May, and then, but so two weeks before McCartney comes out, we get "Sentimental Journey." <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> Ringo's uh... Ringo's solo album, which I guess they they he's the sacrificial lamb in a way. They're, the rest of the group is like, yeah, why don't you go first? Well, yeah, just with with a uh, is it? Sort he's of, like great. That's his kind of Sinatra record, right? I he's couldn't. Cr- I, I didn't get past track one. Yeah, it's honestly, pretty bad. I, I I'd like to spend some time with it. I, mm. I well, but I'd the... like is probably not. How I would definitely qualify that, but I'm going to try to listen to it. The uh, they do have, I mean, Ringo's releasing singles like "It Don't Come Easy" and "Back Off Boogaloo." Okay, during in 1970 at least, right? And previous, but we're still in '69, right? And previous to these these solo records that all come out in '70, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, George has scored a film and Paul has scored a film. So they've, they've sort of dabbled in solo efforts. Um, but 70 with the dissolution of, of the Beatles, which is sort of officially right when Let It Be comes out, I guess. Um, yeah, even though it had happened. 
John said he was he was leaving in '69, which sort of prompts this whole um, uh, uh, dip for for Paul of of the Beatles are dissolving. Who am I without the Beatles? Right. But then Paul is the one who announces it. Right. Who breaks the news and it it totally pisses John off because right. John was the one who actually left. You know, it's it's unclear depending on who you read or who you ask, like whether he was pushed out of the Beatles. I mean, he had sort of taken over. This, that that story is not really what we're here to tell today, but right. the um, it, but it, it's too important. Uh, it's pretty intertwined with his first album. Yeah, and it's party. it's intertwined with the rest. I mean, the entire period we're going to be talking about from 1970, basically late '69 to uh, to 1989. Yeah, uh, especially those first ten years, every single press conference, every single album, and always. But but ev- there's while Lennon was still alive, the question about whether they were going to get back together was constant. Constant. On on the score of of, of the Beatles, uh, and mm. I. When are the, why are the Beatles not going to come together again or when? <laughs> the Beatles split in 69. And I since then, remember. they've been doing fine. And if that question doesn't cease, ain't no one going to get no peace. <laughs> and if you ask it just once more, I think I'm going to break your jaw. <laughs> so he's having this nervous breakdown. He records McCartney, which is not what people are hoping for. But in retrospect, I think it's kind of a brilliant move. It's it's like an active... John's doing primal therapy and <laughs> screaming about his mother on Plastic Ono Band. Which First is, track, you know, right out of the gate. Oh, gosh. But he... Um, it's a pretty... I, I like parts of that record. It's not Which like one? something plastic on a band. Yeah, it's not something I like. Well, well, well. I, I love mean, that mother song. floors me. Mama don't go. Daddy come home. Mama don't go. Daddy come home. You know. If if you're great putting one against the other, if you're putting McCartney against Plastic Ono Band, I, for me it's it's John one, Paul zero. Oh, definitely, I I agree, and that's the sort of thing that in order to get into Paul in the '70s, you kind of have to. You can It's impossible to really stop thinking of him as Beatle Paul, but it becomes its own universe, especially once Linda enters the picture with her vocals. There's a there's a different. You're not going to enjoy it unless you're if you're. Or you're only going to enjoy in a certain respect if you're thinking about it as far as like what would Lennon have brought to this. Right. What's the salt to the sugar? Which is the only comparison that's happening as far when it comes out. That's all critics are are talking about is, is you know, uh, the Beatles broke up for this yeah, ty- type of uh, viewpoint. Like which every is night I want to go out. Yeah. Well, you know, you th- you bring a debut out and, and that's what you're greeted with. It's nothing but expectations. That is... Pretty brutal. Critics, well, critics. No, not really. You know, because um, not really, because you know, you. I say, you know, you, you the critics like they'll tell you one thing, you know, and a fan will tell you another thing. So and critics are always three years behind. I mean, when Sergeant Pepper okay, came out, there was a fellow in New York who panned it and said it's the lousiest album ever. You know, um, I didn't agree with him, you know, but he had his opinion then, you know. So 
Uh, some people say that like an album like McCartney is kind of a bit kind of um, unsophisticated, underproduced and stuff. And yet you get people who kind of, I'm, some bloke I met, he said he was in Moscow, he was on the news well, team. I liked it, my son. Did you like yeah, it? Yeah, I liked oh, it. He's a friend of mine here already. Yeah. Rod Stewart in the face oh, as well. It's one of those things. Yeah, some people like it, some people don't. So you can't please all the people all the time, as Richard M. Nixon once said. Now, that's the story of the whole, that's the story of Paul McCartney since the Beatles, just as it is with the other Beatles, but especially McCartney. Right. And that's one of the reasons I find it so interesting is because how do you struggle under that kind of weight, how that kind of burden, that kind of judgment, that that where there's no freedom. I mean, you can understand why people would want to adopt a, you know, a band name or a different name and yep. record anonymously because no one's going to hear what you're doing nope. uh, as what you're doing. Right. It's always... In reference to what you've done. This is the home recording album of home recording albums, right? I mean, yeah. It's like Todd Rundgren heard this and was like, okay, that's what I want to do. That's and the you'd, groove. You'd think that like a lot of people are disappointed by it. It's, it's a smattering of some uh, uh, poppy vocal tracks. Um, that Would Be Something is, is a great song on this album. But otherwise, you've got a lot of instrumental stuff. And it's him laying down with this recorder. He... he he doesn't have uh, levels on it, so he can't really tell what he's getting. So yeah. there's a, there's a bit of danger, I think, in in every track. Huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that he it was that was that lo-fi. I knew parts of it because he did go and then record a couple of songs. Yeah. In London. And there's there there's sort of everything. It's so raw. There's there's moments of joy in it, and there's moments of pain. It's clearly like he is going up and down, and it's all on tape, which is pretty neat. Yeah. It's a warm-up for Ram, which, comes next, which yeah. comes next. So Ram is like, um, that's much more, he, he, I think it, parts of it were recorded in New York, and I didn't realize that. Right. He goes to New York, he gets picks up the drummer, Denny Sewell. Right. And um, this, Auditions some other session musicians, yeah. which, what's that like? I mean, it, yeah. it, Because I think it was in secret. These, these session guys thought they were auditioning for, for like a commercial jingle or something yeah and then they like go into a back room and paul mccartney's there <laughs> the paul mccartney right and they know that yeah that no no one knows what he's planning right and then ram comes out of this it's, it's really recorded by a threesome though linda uh, linda gets um credit with, with right co-writing all of ram right but uh i've i what i found out is that that was um only to sort of withhold the royalties from apple anything written by paul mccartney would have still been controlled by apple publishing or whatever whoever whatever that was and lennon would have gotten a piece of it i see and so it was only there was some loophole where if he had recorded with, if he wrote with someone else uh-huh. he was able to keep it so i don't know how much creative uh, at least songwriting wise how much linda cuz linda is sort of not roped into it but she's she's pretty baked into the process it seems like he needs her emotionally very successful when Elvis Presley was 40 he was fat drunk and dying you obviously are the picture of health and uh, fairly well adjusted how do you do it what's your secret is there any is there anything that the world should know about well you know I mean I suppose like before I married Linda I, I was about to burn myself out but uh, I didn't realize it at the time you know and, but looking back now kind of 10 years 11 years later uh, there were definitely a few moments there where I was getting near the edge kind of thing but um Linda's kind of a steadying influence. That's the, that's because she's American. I think. She's a, well, she's American. <laughs> she's stuck in this process. Yeah. 
She's uh, she's uh, seems like a remarkable woman. I mean, um, th- she gets a lot of hate throughout the whole, which I especially from other band members that come in once he starts recruiting people for Wings. Oh, but Linda's ridiculed a lot. Not only, I mean, there's a famous. I, I bet you've heard it. You know, someone isolates in the in the seventies or maybe it's the eighties. They isolate just her track uh-huh. on a concert uh-huh. uh, of just her keyboards and her vocals, and they just it gets passed around among bootleggers. That's horrible. And it's it's so like a modern. It sounds like a YouTube type internet thing, right? But it happened in like the seventies, right? It's just to just to mock her, just to mock her, and and because right. it it's sort of funny, but. Um, I always read that like they were only apart for nine nights throughout their entire marriage. Wow! So thematically, domestic bliss is uh, is is part and parcel of of these albums, right? That's the packaging of the the first album. Linda shoots the that famous photo of of him with uh, the baby wrapped in the uh, the fur jacket. Yeah. Um. On on the back of the first album. Um. You know, you're you're welcomed into their world a little bit with with a lot of these tracks. I look high, I look low, I look in everywhere I go, looking for a home in the heart of the country. It's a dark, cloudy Sunday and a cup of coffee and hanging around the house. You know, there's there's a bit of uh, uh, paradise, I think, in, in these albums of, mm. of just lazy days and and being in a comfortable place with the person that you love. Um, I think that's really infused in in these albums, and and it's it's kind of a pleasure. I agree. I agree. I I, I it took me a long. I didn't really get into Ram until I'd. Um, you know, because it, it, every time you read about it, it's like homespun charm and yeah, yeah. domestic bliss, and you're thinking like, "Oh, I'm I'm 19. I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear something about like Which, partying." Right. And uh, so, I, as I got older, I got back into Ram, and I think Ram is fantastic. You can hear him trying to do different things. So that he's trying not to repeat himself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I think it. I think a lot of it really works. And Ram has aged super well. I think it's it's. Uh, uh, influence has become more pronounced over the years. I mean, this is the perfect precursor to indie rock as it is today in the last like 15 years. Yeah, and each song is like pretty pretty different. And, yeah. you know, there's a shot across the bow at Lennon, uh, too many people preaching practices. Right, which uh, which starts a, a little bit of a feud, right? What's what's John, what's Lennon's uh, how do response? You, how do you sleep? Which is like, he, take, he takes Paul's sort of slightly lighthearted maybe a little bitter thing and then makes like one of the most meanest rock songs ever <laughs> released is how do you sleep that george plays uh, you know pronounced slide guitar on the entire time so and um I, I don't know if ringo plays drums but i think he was in the session trying to tell them to tone it down but they have you know there's that this very strange uncle albert albert admiral halsey song right. which becomes a hit right which doesn't sound like any hit. It's got a little bit of a yellow submarine thing happening. Right. A hands across the water. Right. Um, 
backseat to my car, which for me, th- that there's this soaring moment um, in backseat to my car that made me, the first time I heard it, made me stop what I was doing and go to the stereo and, and shuffle back and go, what am I listening to? Because this is that huge symphonic Beatles moment for the first time really in, in that album and, yeah. and maybe out of those two albums. And it's the last song. Has anyone um, sort of given a name to that Paul voice? I, 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 in my head, I keep calling it Monster Paul. Yeah. He, he does, he does it's, this, his, it's his rock voice. It's I his mean, rock voice. You, you only sing, I mean, for the man who is known as like one of the greatest shouters of all time, yeah. you know, as witnessed by the end of Hey Jude. Right. Um, and countless other songs, like the, the sort of, uh, um, he doesn't do much of that. He does it on Monkberry Moon Delight. Right. And then he does it here. Right. On A Woman, A Why. But people are like, the Helter Skelter, where's... I want to hear that again. That guy. And uh, he does it on B-Sides. So. Right. Yeah, so Ram's a great record. It's it's met with a lot of confusion again. And John, of course, <laughs> it cracks me up how he sees himself in in not just too many people. He sees himself in like Dear Boy and Backseat of My Car. Uh, we believe that we can't be wrong. Yeah. You know, like he seems to see himself in all this stuff. And Dear Boy I, was written about Linda's ex husband. Right. It seems like he's reaching a lot, and he's and he's he's just picking on Paul. Yeah, uh, and, and then he, of course, for his, I think it's an imagine. He has a he has a photo of himself holding a little pit. Uh, Paul has a self uh, the, he holding does this, a ram, holding a ram, and John has himself holding a little pig in the same exact position. And it's what a dick, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the you know, I think we we should. So let me just say about Linda. Yeah. Um, I think none of this would have happened without Linda, and I think that she does get ridiculed a little bit. But then you see her photographs, and you realize. She is an artist of, of extremely high caliber. I yeah. mean, there's only one Paul McCartney, but right. she... Uh, and just watch her, out of love, almost do this musician thing, which she's not her passion. Right. Professionally, she's put photography aside, essentially, for 10-plus years to be in Wings. Paul wanted me to be in a band with him. I didn't really want to be in a band. And I said, I don't play anything. And, I, you know, I love music, but I'm a photographer. He said, well, here's the middle C. You can play keyboard. I think she suddenly realized, God, what have I got yeah. myself into here? Suddenly being in this band with Paul McCartney. You know, crazy. Because that's what I would imagine, because from that, you know, knowing her, she would sort of say yes to something because she's enthusiastic, because she liked music. Yeah. And, cause, and then, like, the reality of what she was doing yeah. probably sunk in. It's like, am I kidding? Like, yeah. Well, you know, that was it. part of the 
thrill of wings. <laughs> it was like a bit like getting on a tightrope. You know? But she's so gifted. Yeah. I mean, those those pictures of hers are all incredible. So yeah. it's not like you get the sense, oh, Yoko's this incredible artist and Linda's just this you know, no housewife. Way. It's like, it's not at all the case. No. She is a very sophisticated, um, interesting person who gets a little bit... She's Secondary helping this to, man heal. Yeah. And he's got a lot of healing to do because he's been through the ringer in a very public way. Right. So we go from there. Right. So Ram is panned again, <laughs> like Paul can can do no right. We've also had All Things Must Pass from George, um, which is epic. And and so, again, an- another failure from Paul as far as the world's concerned. Right? Yeah. And then I mean, we go to Wings. I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I think All Things Must Pass is the great, is the single greatest Beatles solo record. Um People might might disagree with that, but I'm also a huge Phil Spector person, mm. um, and I don't think George. I love a lot of George's other work, but I don't think he ever touched that level of transcendence sure. again. But then, yes, it's. It, but when you listen to Ram versus All Things Must Pass, <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. one's Wagnerian and one is like a guy, you know, right, with a couple other right. dudes in, in isolation. A, in a warehouse, yeah. Ram's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In context, <laughs> nope. So then we go to uh, Red Rose Speedway. Uh, wildlife I oh think. shoot oh my gosh wildlife which is he so he, he decides he wants to do a band yep which you he's in protection mode still to 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 be in a band there's there's a little bit of safety there i would imagine right yes and you get so you get the uh he gets two guys really henry mccullough and uh denny seawolf and linda right denny lane's not in it yet is he uh, yes. Oh, he yes, is. I think he okay, is. Okay, so it's five of them, and they record. I think he decides he wants to write and record a record in a week. Yes, and and five of eight of the tracks are one take. Yeah, and they're awful. I mean, I, I, yeah. ha- there's a real charm to Wildlife, and it's about to be released in some enormous version. Which what on earth was left on the cutting room floor? I don't know, but the. Uh, you know, Hey Diddle is one of the songs, and <laughs> there's some. I, I I like Tomorrow, and I like Some People Never Know. Those are fantastic. They're the best on on the album. And then there's a little Olive Branch to John over this feud that's going on with Dear Friend. I mean, that to me is the great. That's the that's the backseat of my car type song uh, on that record where it's like, oh yeah, by the way, guys, I can still do this. Mm-hmm. And although it needed an editor, it doesn't need to be as. It's sort of. But right. it's beautiful, right? And it's heartbreaking, and you can tell he's still um, raw. You want to play? You want to play a little bit of wildlife? Uh, how about tomorrow? Okay. It's got it's got the Ram vibe there. Yeah, a lazy day on Sunday, right? <laughs> it's that easygoing, sweet vibe. <laughs> I, I I enjoy Wildlife. It's not one that I put on very often. No, um, and uh, but he's still, you know, he's 
this is around the time when he's releasing. I, I'm pretty sure between Wildlife and Red Rose Speedway is when he releases two. I mean, what some people consider his worst singles of all time, but I think are kind of, I listened to again recently, and I was like, these are okay. Like, he, he starts hanging out with Lennon again, and uh-huh. he, he records Give Ireland Back to the Irish. Band. The British Army's fighting in um, Ireland, Paul, but uh, the British Broadcasting Corporation won't play your song. What do you think about that? Well, I think they're silly, you know. I think any kind of repression like that, you know, it always ends up in the uh, the person who is being banned getting more out of it than the people who ban it. Witness this, you know, you want an interview about it. It's, it's big news because they ban it and all that. And I think if they'd have just played it, people would have just listened to the opinion. I don't think anyone would have leapt out and gone shooting people. I think they would have just listened to the opinion. It's quite a fair opinion. You know, McCartney does have Irish uh, ancestry. Right. But it's, it's his one and only time, at least during this major period where he tries to do what John's doing, which is right. sort of activism. Right. And yet it's funny that his is the one that gets banned. There's always things, the Beatles story is never <laughs> right. quite as straightforward as really struck as a chord with, with Britain at the time, though. It's it's like the, the, the key issue, right? The key, and then, but he follows it up with... Mary had a Also banned, right? Which is, I, it's, it, is it banned? I think so. And high, high, high. High, high, high. I know is banned, and high, high, high is amazing. Mary had a little lamb. Is him, in he, 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 what he says is sort of all together now, yellow submarine mode, trying to write a music thing for kids. And I think it's actually a. I, I listened to it again the other day, and I was like, you know, this is actually kind of charming. Yeah. Um, at the time, people were like, "What? The, what? The what hell is happening? Is this? Where is Paul? This is uh, this is what he broke up the Beatles to record. Mary had a little lamb. Yeah, and there's maybe uh, yeah, you can watch videos of him playing Mary had a little lamb, like with lambs around, you know. And this he is, digs the wildlife, man. It, he really does. It's pretty uh, awful in that say, but I, it's also you know, it's Paul. Um, um, fun fact: Alan Parsons engineered wildlife. Uh, Alan Parsons of the Alan Parsons Project Ooh. and Dark Side of the Moon, right? Yeah, and he, uh, uh, I think he was just as confused as anyone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, he's like, this is the, my hero. Um, but the uh, High, High, High is an amazing single, I think. That's 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 him doing rock and roll. You know what? I'm gonna, I thought I'd play uh, from High, 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 or I, if people have never heard the... Um, version he does that on wings over america the uh-huh. live version uh-huh. and it is fantastic can i play a little bit yeah high, high, high? yeah yeah One thing probably is worth mentioning with the McCartney in the 70s story is that uh, Paul is a very vocal uh, advocate for weed. As he left the court, McCartney, who'd been given two weeks to pay the fine, said, the judge is a great guy. McCartney's counsel admitted he had knowingly grown the plants but had not known what they were. The cannabis seeds had been planted at his farm about four miles from here. It was said that those seeds had been sent to you. How did you come to grow them? Yeah, well, we got a load of seeds, you know, kind of in the post. Uh, and 
we didn't know what they were, you know, we kind of planted them all and five of them came up like, five of them came up illegal. Now, of course, this uh, conviction, it might affect your entry to the States where you have considerable yeah. business ent uh, interests there. Yes. How do you feel about that? You know, I, uh, I understand I might not get stopped from going into the States because it's uh, a technical offense. <coughs> I hope not, anyway. I was sort of just surprised at how much that... that he's, he's not really an alcohol guy. Yeah. And the Wings itself, the band, especially once they really take off, to yeah. use the, the, the pun, but he... Um, they're ex because they have Linda in the band, and yeah. because it's Paul, you think that they're this sort of tame, you know, safe band. But right. in fact, they were. Uh, everyone had terrible problems with substances, and with groupies, and the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's it sounds like it. And Paul's got his family with him the entire time. Crazy! It's this caravan rolling around, stoned caravan. Yeah. I tell you, uh, we were in Nashville, and have you ever heard of a guitar player called Jerry Reed? He's a really good American. And we were talking to him, and I was saying that I was going to go on the road. And he said, man, if I was Paul McCartney, I'd buy the road. Around this time, they do their first tour of, I think, England, don't they? Right, and they do colleges to colleges. keep it low profile. Again, like soft, uh, soft launch. Soft launch, and it's sort of a big hippie double-decker bus thing. And, it's pretty uh, cool. It's pretty cool. You know, this is still this is 1972, and it's Paul McCartney, so... Right, and then we get to Red Rose Speedway, which, does he kind of disown a little bit in, in years afterwards? How do you personally regard the work you've done since the Beatles split, the, the four albums, isn't it, Red Rose? It's so. more than four. Well, I think it's, um, uh, you know, improving. With age? I think it's improving with age. I think it's, there's, there's some good stuff and some bad stuff, you know, I mean, like like everything, you know. Well, it was supposed to be a double album, and they made it a single, and... Because um, he's keen on on impressing at, at this point, right? He's tired of, of being shit on. <laughs> yeah, basically, like, it's, it's a response to wildlife where he decides to really produce something. Right. And yet, Red Rose Speedway kind of blows. I mean, I, I, I gotta say, like, if it had been a double album, it would be better. And yeah. if and it's about to be re-released as a double album. Yeah. Um, and there's still, you know, with McCartney, there's never. It's like Brian Wilson. There's never an album that doesn't have something interesting on it. Yeah. Yeah. My love. Uh, you have. Oh, I hate my love. Big I, barn bed, which is familiar. Yeah. Um, it, I wouldn't call it a hit, but um, and out of those uh, sessions, you have Live and Let Die, um, which is not on the album, um, but obviously is a huge, unbelievable hit. song too. Let's play. Let's play. So this is, uh, I, I think, a, a demo version or an alternate take. Um, but what I think is interesting here is you really get to there. There's no cover up on his his Monster Paul screaming vocals when he hit when he hits uh, "Live and Let Die." What does it matter to you when you got a job to do? You gotta do it well. But you got to give me on the
but I think Red Rose Speedway is is a is a false start because what comes next the same year is Band on the Run. Which is sort of the beginning. Yeah, it's kind of, of things going well. Yeah, you almost like you almost except think that, for Nigeria. Except for <laughs> they recorded in Nigeria. He like <laughs> he like sees where EMI is recording studios, and he's like Lagos. That's where I want to go. Yeah. Little and, does he know they just finished a civil war, and uh, they're under a, a horribly corrupt regime. They almost get killed on numerous occasions. Yeah. And not just not just not just us saying that. Now he gets held at gunpoint, and they get robbed. All the tapes get stolen, and so he has to rewrite all the songs because he he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, he also has like a bronchial attack because he's smoking too much weed and he (laughs) collapses and and can't breathe uh fela kuti uh comes and 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 tries to have a fight with him i guess there's some confrontation well ginger baker's there with fela kuti and they're like what is paul paul mccartney he's just trying to steal our our sounds yes of course you hear band on the run it doesn't sound like it was recorded in nigeria but the the story behind it is just really dramatic right uh, thing. I mean, Af- Nigeria in 1973 was not a place you wanted to not go. Not an easy place. Plus, he has the kids. Yeah, and he brings his kids. It's it's ridiculous, is what it is. But it's also kind of cool because oh, and he's uh, the other two guys have left wing, so it's just Denny, uh, Linda, and him recording the whole thing. So he's playing drums on it all. He's playing all the keyboards. Right, he's filling in on a lot of. I mean, stuff. Denny's the guitarist and does a lot of the vocals, and they have their Who's own from vocal. The blend. Moody Blues, we should point out. Originally. Yeah, the early Moody Blues. I mean, yeah. not the not the, not the not Day- Justin Day- Hayward, yeah, but yeah. he's. Yeah, not he's gone by the time they do Days of Future Past, I think. Right. But um, um, Band on the Run, what do you think of the actual recorded songs? So that's one that has always sort of been on rotation on the turntable for me, just mm-hmm. sort of the family turntable. And so I play it a lot, and it's just this comfortable, fun uh, album. Conceptually, it's it's more complete than, yeah. than these other albums we've been talking about. Um, it's got... You know, Band on the Run is is an identifiable uh, Paul McCartney song. It's a smash, you know? yeah. Um, it's an incredible my song. Favorite Paul McCartney song is 1985. Really? Yes. I like that song too. That's the last song, right? Yeah, it cracks me up. Also, because it's he's talking about. I, I just love when people in the '70s are talking about the '80s, uh, talking about the future. But in this case, he's talking about in in 1985. You know, uh, there will no woman on earth in potentially a post-apocalyptic uh, setting could even replace you. Well, we have to it, it, for Paul. It's got to have the romantic, you of know, course. bent, even if he's talking about the post-apocalyptic. Of course, but it's just a cool-sounding song too. Yeah. The, the keyboard sounds. I think it's it, it's dated really well. The song "Mamonia" I cannot stand. It's mm-hmm. one of my least favorite songs. But 
I always feel like when the um, uh, when the acoustic guitars come in on the title track, uh, that sort of the sun shining over because he's the, stuck inside these four walls. You know, that's he yeah. was. They were basically under house arrest after in Nigeria recording the song and then the, the band on the run thing happens and you feel like a the weight swelling. is lifting off of him yeah and you can hear it and you're right well, and Helen Wheels is a great song though yeah. that's like a b-side I guess you get but Mrs. Vanderbilt you get um, uh, let me roll it I mean oh, these let are me roll it that's his song to Lennon a little bit yeah um, but you know the, these are themes of escape and freedom that are happening in this album along with let's talk about the cover yeah, it's I so I didn't really realize uh, he decided he wanted an iconic cover, and so he invites some celebrities down. And I didn't realize Christopher Lee is one of the faces on the cover. And James Coburn. Feel and it. I love this. I found this out last night. The photographer who shot it, best name ever, Clive Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna change my name to Clive Aerosmith. Mm. So '73, also, you know, Junior's Farm is a single around this time. And okay, I, I love Junior's Farm. Yeah, it's it means great. nothing, but it's a great. You know what? I, I it's got that wing sound, and it does, But and also, it makes me think of Steve Miller. At the same time, it's like it's almost like he heard a Steve Miller song. and was like, I can do that. Yeah, and I, he does a great job. I completely agree. Because and it, it's got this similar vibe that Jet's got. You know, yeah. that sort of mccartney in the 70s uh full sound um gonna gonna make a rock song that really only belongs in the 70s right right he's also getting he, he's free of apple records at this point i believe so he's on um is he, he's, he's signed with capital yeah um so then uh he that's when they they they're getting ready he's he, after this he hires the band of wings that is kind of the wings mach 2 which people really associate with the with with the golden the period sound. of wings which is uh, a guy named jimmy mccullough it really is the guitarist who makes the big difference who's i guess a young kid and he's a total disaster of a human being he's dead by 1980 oh wow but an incredible guitar player as we just heard on high 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 that's mccullough doing okay. that slide guitar okay it's a little confusing because the guitarist that he replaces was named henry mccullough I was getting mixed up. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and there's a Jeff Britton, I think, is the drummer, who's a good drummer, but he's also a karate master. <laughs> Amazing. He goes on to be in Sea Change, which is a really cool sort of jazzy prog. That's uh, a, yeah, I know Sea Change. Uh, yeah, Allman Brothers related uh, album. I mean, sorry, band. Yeah, that's uh, Chuck Livell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they record v Venus and Mars. I love this album. I love this album. This is a great 70s rock album. This is my um, one of my. This is going into this before I'd listen to some of the other stuff. Wing, Venus and Mars was my like go to for seventies McCartney when I because Band on the Run I knew too well. Venus and Mars I just love. I mean the opening of Venus and Mars into Rock Show is fabulous and oh. it was designed. He was designing. He was wrote, recorded this with a tour in mind. Mm -hmm. It was going to be the first major Paul McCartney tour of America and the world. Right. Um, what do you like on Venus and Mars? Uh, rock show, except for I like the what they call old version. Um, it, it has a bit of a, a different, raw, more raw sound. I just can't stop listening to this version of, of rock show. Old version? Yeah. You want to hear where, it? Where's old version? Um, it's on the remastered version of, of the album, but here you go. <laughs>
he, he mentions Jimmy Page in there. That's incredible. I never heard that Isn't version. That great. It's stripped down. It's raw. It's also the song. You know, he's mentioning all these these uh, rock venues. Um, he's talking about Jimmy Page. Like he, it really feels like he is finally entering the rock scene of his own accord in the 70s and participating as opposed to hiding away in the country or hiding away in Nigeria and making something. It, they they record this in New Orleans and it has a real sort of festive vibe to it. And it feels, then, it feels like a band. Yes. I know I know he's re, he's uh, rehearsing them like crazy for this. But I mean the song the song that uh drew me to this album outside I, see, those are the songs I found afterwards but Magneto and Titanium Man which has one of the great bridges is one of his great bridges. So good. Uh, Magneto is mad Titanium 2. Uh and it's based on sort of him picking up a comic book, I think, and like yeah, I and, guess. And Marvel titanium, lent him the art for to, to for the single cover. The one thing that I, I read that I thought was hilarious is Stan Lee was later asked, like, "What do you think of Magneto and Titanium Man?" And he goes, "Terrific." <laughs> <laughs> so Stan Lee. Uh, I mean, everything on that record's good. Medicine Jar, which is Jimmy McCullough's solo song, it's, "Letting it's, Go," which letting is, go is which is about him. Realizing he needs to give Linda some room. Yeah, I mean their relationship is is a backdrop of all these records, and some would say it there's a codependency going on. Mm-hmm. Others would say it's just a great rock and roll love story. Right. The big tour that comes afterwards is a total debauched uh, festival of uh, you know, and where they sell out absolutely everything. Paul's back on top in a way that you don't really see him. Mm. Kind of, it's like his peak. Of this outside of Mull of Kintyre, which is sort of a UK only thing, right, right. But that it, it, um, they they record Wings at the Speed of Sound, which in my mind is kind of a stinks. It, it, there's a, cu- a couple great songs. Yeah, nothing r- totally catches me on that. One. There's a version of Beware My Love that John Bonham dr- drummed on. I heard that, which is great, it but is it great. sounds like a demo. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple there's a couple songs on there that are good, like but Let Him In may be the worst. I think it's funny that he mentions Martin Luther in there, but it's it might be his worst single from this period. Uh-huh. Uh, Silly Love Songs has something. Uh, it's got that bass line, and I I kind of like how it it's it's one of these rejoinders to the critics where people say, you know, they say you've had enough of Silly Love Songs. I look around me and I see it isn't true. Right. And um, I I like that song. Yeah, and it's 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 God, it's such a '70s Wings song. I mean, it's it, it's what you think of when you when you think of Wings. I think. Yeah, but it's uh, you know, the Wings at the speed of sound sounds like it's going to be, especially after they've been rocking around America, and uh, you think they're going to rec- record the, like Venus and Mars Take Two, and they just I think it, I think it, he decides to let everyone. He wants to be more of a band, so he tries to let everyone sing, and I just don't think it's right. Joe English does uh, must do something about it. Um, so you know, <laughs> he's he's the drummer at this point. Yeah, right. Jeff Britton's out, and Joe English. People say he's the best drummer McCartney ever had right. for his music. It's, uh, I think of it in my mind and think of this kind of way I'd like it to be and then tell everyone that 
And then if we kind of do this thing of kicking it around a bit, and some little things will start to suggest themselves because of a style someone else is playing that I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And that sort of gets included in all the good ideas we keep. And we'll, we'll change a thing in the course of recording it yeah. from my original idea, but uh, hopefully for the better, you know, something I just didn't think of. Um, but then we get London Town in 78. Um part of which is recorded to continue the uh the 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 interesting uh recording sessions part of it is is in the virgin islands on a uh, luxury yacht <laughs> and it's called london town and it's called london town and it, the, the picture on the cover just evokes this really dreary london you know uh at this point mccullough has been fired because uh, he's just too self-destructive and too jekyll and hyde and yeah. then uh english has gone too because he was a total heroin addict it turns out i mean these guys were not they were yeah. real musicians hanging out with paul's like yeah, little yeah. kids right the whole time but london town i'll tell you this yeah london town's revelation to me okay uh it gets it gets kind of uh you know shit on by the fans or it's it's seen as like he never touched isn't it come down if in my opinion this great single off of London Town is Mull of Kintyre and uh, uh, with backed by Girls School. The, and that was recorded before the other guys left. Uh, actually, all it was is I kind of realized that most Scottish tunes are old tunes. People do, you know, they kind of just revamp all the old ones. Um, most of those kind of old ballads you like, you know. So I thought I'd have a go at trying to write a new one. So I got together with Dennis here. Waltz time ballad. Yes, Waltz time ballad, if ever I saw one. Mm -hmm. So we got together and, and, you know, saw if we could kind of write one, and uh, that's what came out. And was that done in the time you were doing the album, or did yeah. you want to be on the album? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Throughout this entire period, he's continuing his Beatles... Uh, tradition of rec releasing singles that aren't on the record, thinking it's better value. Oh. But at this point, I think he's leaving some of the best songs off. And then '79, we get back to the uh, back to the egg, which is him trying to do rock again. He wants to. London Town is a little, although there's some rock songs on there, and Girls School is a great rock song. Mm. Uh, he feels like he wants to up the pace a little bit. And again, I think it's totally underrated record. Apparently, he records an enormous amount of material. Some of the stuff they choose, which is a running theme here. Some the stuff they choose is a little bit odd but there's a song called getting closer on there that's great he, he does some sound collage things which sort of beatlesque uh ken that's blooming over everything old siam sir so that's the song that that i would say in the past year or so got me back into wings or, or rather put them on my radar again and i yeah. was like oh man there's a lot of songs that i don't know which i feel like is kind of a running theme of paul's career which is the entire universe knows Paul McCartney songs, and they think they know Paul McCartney songs, but what you realize as you get into his catalog is that you don't know Paul McCartney songs. There's a, there's a, there's he, he a was, ton of songs. He's always writing. And they're experimental in all different ways, as we'll see as we get into the 80s. Um, but uh, Old Siam Sir is a great song. It's a great song. <laughs>
And they left the song off. They pulled at the last minute a song called Cage off of Back to the Egg, which I think would have been one of the three best songs on the record if they'd kept it on. Mm-hmm. It's not heavy, but it's so beautiful. It's one of these melodies. He's got a few uh, suites on there that are pretty good. Um, so Glad to See You Here is one of the orchestra things where he gets oh, right. Bonham and Pete Townsend and all these people. It's It's semi-successful. I think Back to the Egg, though, is better certainly than its reputation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the old yeah. Old Siam is like an effective retread, maybe. Not even it. It doesn't sound like Helter Skelter so much as it sounds like Achilles' Last Stand. And then I, I think it's also worth noting that there's a collection out there called Wide Prairie, which is Linda McCartney's um, recordings across the '70s and actually in through the '90s up until her death. Uh, but uh, there are some really interesting sort of arty. Uh, rock songs on that collection and it's her it's her vocals occasionally you'll hear paul here and there um but uh i think it's a fun listen yeah i i know i know some of these seaside woman is good but there's a there's a couple of other they released a single under her Susie and the sad hearts or something like that and, oh, really? uh, and uh it was in the 70s uh i've done a few songs actually yeah uh, but I, I don't quite know what I'll do with them yet. Yeah. Release them? I might release them in uh, 1893. I like Linda. I've come to really also admire her. I think. There is, um, <laughs> it's not part, of, it's, it's out of the range we're going to be talking about, but um, there's a song called The Light Comes From Within. That's That's a really sort of hilarious song. Have you heard it? No, is it? Can I play? I, yes. Let's play it. I had not heard that one. It's great. And so that actually is not from the 70s. I think it was recorded like in the final months before she died. Um, and their son is it plays guitar on, on the track. But um, how cool is that song? Oh, man. Yeah. I love that. And there's... Uh, so at this point, though, he feels like the band has kind of run its course. Yeah. I've been working with George Martin on, a, on an LP. And uh, I'm not working with Wings. I'm working with various people really on the idea of sort of casting the particular piece of music rather than just using a group for everything. You, you, you mentioned that it's, it's not Wings. I mean, does Wings exist anymore? Rather than not really, no. At the moment. I mean, Wings anyway had a few lineup changes and stuff. Uh, the idea is that if we ever want to get back together again, we will, and we're just keeping it really loose. But for this album, I'm not working with them. I'm, I'm just working uh, with other people. Really just because I fancied a change and I thought it was getting a bit limiting just working with the same group of people all the time. I would say probably he's healed, right? He's going into the 80s and feeling safe and secure and here comes McCartney too. Here comes McCartney too. A strange, wonderful record which has got a super occult following. He records it the way he records McCartney 1. Yep. The first McCartney. Except for with synth. Except for with a lot lot of synth. I mean, let's hear, this is just to give you a sense, here's Temporary Secretary. Yep. Find for me someone strong and sweet fitting on my knee. She can keep her job if she gets it wrong. Ah, but me- 
trilogy if you're gonna listen to uh you know sacred songs by daryl hall or the first peter gabriel album or trans by neil young if that's your jam then mccartney 2 should also be your jam i think this is a really cool fun record and it's got a couple hits i mean coming up the live version at least was a big hit but you know for me my favorite tune on there which probably tells you what the kind of stuff of his i favor i think waterfalls is is a masterpiece what's funny though growing up I knew Waterfalls by uh, uh, TLC. TLC. Don't go chasing. Don't go. Ch- and I. So I was like, when I heard it, I was like, Did, is Paul McCartney covering TLC? But I didn't realize they'd taken his. That's his song, or they, they the chorus of that song is yeah. them uh, speeding up the beautiful oh, melody. God. I didn't even realize that. I didn't realize there was a connection at all. I mean, to honestly, to TLC's credit, it's an incredible version of yeah. that, that. Because the original Waterfalls is like a piano ballad. It's, I would say one of these days, Summer's Day song and Waterfalls belong together as sort of the accessible, um, you know, quote unquote, sweeter songs um, on that album. Dark Room, I think, is really good. Um, and then. Ooh, I don't know Dark Room. Check my machine. If we have sort of a running theme of my daughter's commentary on some of these songs, <laughs> yeah. Check my machine. Uh, she calls the weirdest song she has ever heard, <laughs> <laughs> and she's not wrong. It's weird. Hi, George. Morning, Terry. Hi, George. Morning, Terry. Paul's always had this avant-garde side that he likes to indulge. It wasn't it wasn't John bringing that to the Beatles, right? And you hear it on McCartney too, uh, but it's got this low tech thing as well. Yeah. It's very charming and is dated f- very well. I mean, people, yeah. a lot of DJs cite this as a big influence. And if he'd released it as a double record, it would have been even more that way. Yeah. But I mean, I think there's a version of Temporary Secretary that's like 11 minutes or something. Oh, really? Some some absurd length. And then out of these sessions, we also get Wonderful Christmas Time. Yeah, that's affirmative. I mean, I, I, I sort of <laughs> that happened. I uh, yeah, I think it's like the worst uh, Christmas song ever. Yeah, but um, I still, yeah, I, the Shins cover of it's pretty good. So uh, that we're finally through the seventies. We made it. We made it. I mean, we don't have much time for the eighties. No, I no, guess no, we don't. But um, what are sort of the highlights? Eighty one is Tug of War, which is critically acclaimed. Lennon has been killed. This evening, John Lennon arrived at the emergency room at the Roosevelt uh, Hospital. He was dead on at the time of his arrival. Numerous resuscitative efforts were made after his arrival in the hospital, including transfusions, surgical procedures, other procedures. But in spite of the effort of many physicians and after many procedures, 
we were unable to restore the life of Mr. Lennox. And one of the things reading about these years, I didn't actually know how close the Beatles came to reforming on like oh. four or five different occasions. Really? Or at least Paul, and at one point, Paul came over with a guitar to write songs with Lennon. I mean, like, there was, there's all sorts of very close calls to, maybe not calling it the Beatles, but for John and Paul to play music again together. Uh-huh. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, there's only one time, there's like some stone jam that's out there that you can hear that's terrible, but th- both of them, they love each other. Yeah. And every time Paul's in New York, he calls John and they hang out. Right. And you think there's all this acrimony. And John is right. going you through his, his own thing. You can't take these stories and just put them in bubbles. Like they're unified across a relationship, uh, both professional and, and a, a friendship. Um, yeah. Uh, like a, it's almost like his first, they always refer to it as their first marriage. Right. But they're hanging out together and the business stuff has kind of been settled. And, Alan Klein, of course, proved to be the disaster that Paul Paul's totally vindicated in that. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> so, but one of the things, like during the entire Wings and every aspect of it, you're hearing um, what, like you know, George and Ringo show up backstage at this and that. You yeah, know, and they're they're hang- and they almost record together a couple of times, and they're also helping Ringo with his records the entire time. Right. There's a couple of good songs, by the way, that Paul wrote. Uh, On the Ringo we, the, the, We'll leave that for another time. Tug of War. Uh, it has one of my favorite Paul McCartney songs on it. about him it's actually about weed oh in 1980 well, he right. gets, in 1980 he gets uh, incarcerated in japan he tries to sneak a ton a huge thing of pot and right. he doesn't even hide it right and this is japan in the 80s which is very which has already barred him entry one time because of the because he right they're on to him once. in the first place yeah and um, so yeah he writes wanderlust about well not being able to light up where he wants to and the captain's in jail for like almost like over a week yeah yeah, it's 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 dramatic. Um, Tug of War is George Martin his first, right? So there's some there's some folks in play uh, with Tug of War that also are in play with Pipes of Peace in in '83. You got George Martin producing. Um, you have Ringo getting in there occasionally. Eric Stewart from Ten CC, um, and then these 
collaborations that define each record. We got Stevie Wonder on Tug of War. The, a lot of the production choices around this time are questionable in mm. my mind, even with George Martin. So Take It Away, which is the second single after Ebony and Ivory off, off Tug of War, um, I think the release version blows. But then the demo version, I think, is great. It sounds like Come and Get It by Badfinger, which Paul wrote. That's not bad. I, I encourage people who are interested in this period to listen to the demos because they, yeah, that's really nice. It's it's a great song. I mean, there's here today, by the way, which is his eulogy for Lennon, which is really touching. Uh-huh. There's Ebony and Ivory, which goes well, and then there's Say 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 the following year with Michael Jackson, which I think is an absolutely incredible song. <gasps> and Jackson though wrote the great part of that song. Oh really? I think it's standing here. Yeah, yeah, and I love you, <coughs> baby. Though, though Paul clearly wrote the, the verse, and it works, and the, that great music video. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's. I, I dare you to stop listening to that song. It's so catchy and so good. It just gets your hook. It gets its hooks in you and and keeps you. And and it, but at the meantime, they're about to have a huge falling out when Jackson buys Northern songs. Which so is this correct that he kind of got the idea from Paul? Paul was was making a habit of buying catalogs of other people's uh, records and basically saying, "Yeah, he like, owns Buddy, I make, Buddy Holly." Yeah, I, I make money off of this. This is a good gig. And my, and MJ was like, "Oh." That sounds uh, hey, that sounds like hey, a good Paul, idea. That sounds good, <laughs> and uh, he he did it. Yeah, but there's a girl is mine is on Thriller as we know, which is I think the worst. Right, there's thriller. the man, which I I didn't really love, but I thought it was interesting that there's this other collaboration yeah, that I so never knew about between the two. Pipes of Peace comes afterwards, which is half of its holdovers from Tug of War. Okay. And again, it's really, this one is pan. Tug of War, people like. Mm. Uh, Pipes of Peace, not so much. It's got some good, decent songs I on like, there. I uh, like So Bad. So Bad is good. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's so, so good. And brace yourself, Ode to a Koala Bear. <laughs> I was about to say, the B-side to Say 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 is called Ode to a Koala Bear. I love this song. <laughs>
And it keeps with the theme of uh, Paul uh, uh, cuddling animals. I mean, <laughs> he likes the animals. And no wonder he becomes the world's most famous vegetarian. Uh, they start to, you know, when they tour, I think, in 1989, they've got a big sign that says, Go Veggie. But they're still eating meat until about 1980. <laughs> and I might add, if you want the full effect, just go to YouTube to listen to the song because you'll see that over top video of Paul cuddling koala bears I mean, and nothing brings it into full scope. You have to accept this part of Paul in order to really enjoy this I think time. that's a sweet song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. It's got that 50s thing. So he goes, they go from there, Lex. Um, I also want to point out, it's uh, not on. It's a demo. Uh, it's not on. I don't know that It's song. a demo from uh, Pipes of Peace that is worth a listen. It's really, it, 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 it seems like a remnant from McCartney too. Sort of experimental and weird, and and actually, I I don't know if Ween ever heard the song, but it, it's like a pre-Ween, <clears throat> excuse me, a pre-Ween Ween song. Huh? That's never been said. Yeah, pre- <laughs> pre-Ween. Uh, give my regards to Broad Street happens oh, next, boy. which is his film project that takes up all of 1980. That is really a vanity project. Mm. Um, and you, as soon as you see screenplay by Paul McCartney uh, overtop him sitting in the back of a limousine uh, stuck in traffic and he's noodling with a... Uh, uh, a lyric on a piece of paper and and he's hearing uh, an old Beatles song on the radio you're like oh this is what we're in for and then it goes off into a fantasy sequence which turns out spoiler uh turns out to be the whole movie it's all a dream it's bad it is a bad movie brian with, brown is in it with a gr- and ringo's in it ringo's in it barbara bach barbara bach that's his ringo's wife yeah she doesn't say much <laughs> I candy the uh, uh, the songs though. I think there's two. I mean, so no more lonely nights. I think is an awesome song. Dave Gilmore's singing on it. Great. Um, and then there's a song called No Values on the soundtrack, yeah, which you is said fantastic. That to me. That's really good. And you know, if you if you do the, the only thing worth watching that I've seen from Give My Regards to Broad Street, and I have not watched the whole thing, but there is a sequence where they play silly love songs in a sort of a synth pop style, uh-huh. and they're all dressed in complete white and looking like Bowie, sort of as an ice giant. Uh, it's that's cool. It's it's a curiosity. Here's yeah. uh, No Values, which I had not heard going into this. Raw Beatlesque rocker. Also, it's it's kind of a pub song. Uh, I think it. There's a couple of tunes around this period where he sounds like Squeeze. Squeeze. And that's Squeeze, what it is. Squeeze, you know, Thank is you. sounding like him, but <clears throat> Squeeze doesn't actually sound that much like the Beatles, except for Glenn Tilbrook's voice. But uh, when you have McCartney sounding like Squeeze, that's an interesting uh, proposition. But I think there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah. But it's it is. Give my regards to Broad Street. Is probably one of if not the greatest failure in McCartney's entire history it's it's up there yeah you kind of feel bad for him once yeah. you're watching it and you're like oh man I, I know you really wanted to do this but 
somebody should have stopped you. This is terrible. Um, another fun fact. Yes. There is a Commodore 64 version of Broad Street. Give my regards to Broad Street as a video game where you play Paul racing around an 8-bit London. Uh, you can also find that on YouTube. Ooh. And it has 8-bit versions of the uh, of the score. Huh. Well, then you go from there. He he's he's sort of flailing around, and he does the press to play, which is is another failure. It doesn't sell well, but there's some interesting stuff on there. It's really a collaboration with Eric Stewart from Ten CC, and it's it produced by Hugh Pagum. I never know how to say his last name. Who done all the like Invisible Touch, right? Genesis stuff, The Police, Ecstasy. Um, but here you have him chasing the zeitgeist rather than defining the zeitgeist, which is always always makes me a little sad when I when I see it over, someone turn to that. I like talk more talk. Um, do you know that song? No. Um, it it has the, that mid eighties excuse me mid eighties vibe, and I think it he makes it sound good. I like move over busker, move over busker. However absurd, it's decent. And there's a song called uh, there called angry, which is not as angry as you'd hope it would be. But uh, press the single, I think, I think kind of works. Yeah, and that's probably his the hit of his that I had not had heard even once. Uh huh. It passed me by. He uh, doesn't really have relevance. I feel like at this point in his career, he just doesn't have a place. But one of the reasons I thought we could stop at 1990 is because he's not really knowing what he's doing, and he's raising kids, and he he records an album of covers that comes out in uh, in Russia called uh you know it's actually back in the ussr right. but in russian and it's okay it's sort of rock and roll he's kind of reconnecting with that after doing the synth pop record mm-hmm. but then then i see this guy in the corner this framed uh headshot uh, of a guy a with sign, glasses signed uh elvis costello picture in my office and uh, someone suggested the two of them start right together yeah and uh, costello is not like at a um particular peak in his career no, um, he, it's right around the corner for him a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, Spike is the record he was recording uh, after yeah. McCartney, and that does well because mm-hmm. Veronica becomes his biggest hit, okay. which he co-writes with McCartney. So anyway, the two of them start writing together, and they mm-hmm. write eyeball to eyeball, they say. And there's about 13, 14 songs that come out of this. And mm-hmm. Lex... <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Dave. Looking you eyeball to eyeball, <laughs> I think they're glorious. I think they're glorious. And if you listen to the demos, yeah. again, the demos, which were released officially finally, but they'd been available forever, uh, they are fabulous. And to my mind, it shows Paul McCartney like stripped of the production. Uh, you have Elvis Costello giving him some lyrical bite again. Yes. Uh, and Elvis is no slouch in the melody department, but he overstuffs his songs, and Paul yeah. McCartney's stripping that down. But you have a song called The Lovers That Never Were, which doesn't make it onto a record until Off the Ground, which is excellent. You have uh, That Day Is Done, which is unbelievably good, and that's on Flowers in the Dirt. My Brave Face, I think, is a great song. Mm-hmm. Don't Be Careless, Love is a great song. Uh, Tommy's Coming Home is a great song. Uh, you have So Like Candy, which, oh, which, yeah. which Costello records, which is so good. Yes, that um, is a wonderful song. It's... it's n- 
it's a revelation that a lot of stuff is, there's a lot going on still there. But um, he's got a little of the monkey on his back and you can hear it in those demos. I mean, what comes next is, is 1990 and Tripping the Lights Fantastic. And it, it seems like he tunes into uh, sort of Beatles revival stuff and figuring out like, if I do these, these world tours uh, uh, and, and sort of, bring back it seems like he's pulling the uh the baby boomer fans that he had in the beatles days yeah um back into the fold a little bit and that's what what comes next but what's interesting to me is that there's a whole we'll, we'll talk about it at some point but there, there's a whole sort of second life to his career that is defined in a new way and i think there's some really interesting stuff i mean the question i was talking about it with with somebody uh yesterday uh, is is there anybody who has been that famous for that long and managed it as well as he has? I I, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, and I when I I wrote something about him one time, and I think that I, as I've come to to really think about what it means to be Paul McCartney, I'm so in awe of his acceptance of not only of his fans but of himself. Uh, and the various projections and illusions people have about him, the never living up to something, but also continuing to move forward, and um, the persistent gift that that shines through. And you're right. People say Flowers in the Dirt is the beginning of Mach 3 Mm. of McCartney, and you're right. It's when he finally makes peace with the Beatles thing officially and takes it on the road. But um, I have come to, to see there's something deeply admirable about it because everyone else who reaches that level of fame when we're talking about Elvis, we're talking about Michael Jackson um, and is, is has something akin to the Beatles hanging over them. Uh, it basically drives them crazy, right? It, it kills them. It kills them. Uh, it, it kills them. It actually physically yep. kills them and it hasn't killed him. Nope. So that's worth uh, us saying. And in fact, absolutely. We could do it. I think hope one day we will do a McCartney in the nineties and the aughts and the, yeah. even now, um, because there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah, I, I'm excited to get into the new album. I really, I gave it one listen and I went, I'll, I'll get back to this and I haven't yet. So, What's your top five McCartney in the 70s and 80s? Okay, so Backseat of My Car, I mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. Um, 1985, also mentioned that. Rock Show, uh, uh, mentioned that. Um, this is going to be tough uh, to pick these last two. Uh, but I will go with, Waterfalls off McCartney too, Ooh. and then say say say, because damn, that's a good song. It's a great song. Oh my goodness, those are my five. Well, I would choose maybe I'm amazed, but I that's one of those songs I think belongs in the canon that's out sort of out almost outside transcends McCartney, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of belongs with the Beatles. In fact, so I would say I'd also go with Backseat of My Car. Excellent. <laughs> uh then i would go to um this is gonna be i'd say J- junior's farm i love junior's farm uh i would say um uh i'm, ch- I'm choosing slightly off kilter songs here mm-hmm. i would say wanderlust off of uh off of tug of war i can't wait to dig into that i'd uh say um i really love the song magneto and titanium man <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. Th- I, it has, it has it's so vibrant. Though I might, you know, I might have to replace it with that rock show uh, version you sent. Uh, Live and Let Die is on oh, there for me. 
and um, the I mean the live version of High 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 is really close to it. I think I've got only got one more though, uh, so I don't have room for no values off of Give My Regards to Broad Street. So, but instead I'm going to choose That Day Is Done. What's that from? Off of Flowers in the Dirt. Awesome. I think we send them out on Mall Guitar because it's it. uh, the biggest selling uh, record of all time in England for a long time. Mall of Guitar, oh, in from the sea, my Oh 